There we go. To, um, to, to be away. We had a great time on the youth uh, winter retreat. It, uh, it really, it truly was a retreat. Uh, at night, at night, bef- even before we got up there to ski, at night we would, um, uh, Charity and the others from, uh, from Trinity and First Methodist and then Mulberry Street up in Macon, the four churches, had, uh, had arranged for uh, the, uh, a sanctuary in a, in a country church up there in uh, maybe one town up from, from where we were skiing. And uh, at night we would have worship in there, and it was, it was awesome. It was, it was really great. And, uh, and then, of course, during the days, we, would, uh, we were on the ski slope skiing for Jesus, and that was, uh, that was pretty great. That was pretty great, too. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the things that you, you learn about skiing, um, yeah, this is, uh, this is us in the, um, uh, in, in the, in the sanctuary there, um, of the, uh, Perry Memorial United Methodist Church. This is our church, and, uh, and the room was packed at night. I mean, 120 doesn't do it justice. There were more than that from the, from the four churches and adults and kids, and, um, but one of the things you learn during the day is, uh, is, is you can tell a lot by, um, by a skier from the direction they are going on the slopes, right? This is, um, this is just a, a handful. You see Connor there in the, um, in the red in the middle. This is just a handful of, uh, of some of the different um, uh, skiers from the different churches um, all lined up there uh, on the side of the mountain. Um, and uh, a lot of these boys were about to start uh, something that they call ski derby, where they just try to kill each other. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you, yeah, you can learn a lot from people when you just just by watching them, right? Like for instance, when you when you go skiing with someone and um and and their direction is sort of legs far apart and just straight downhill, they are a daredevil, and not that good. Right, they're actually not that good a daredevil. They're just you know like like this. Um, and we have some of those folks um, in my house, and uh, <coughs> that, that that sort of ski that way. And then and then there's the polar opposite, which is which are the people who um who take their feet pretty far across and then they pull their toes in and they go side to side, right? And they they call that pizzing pizzing with s's. And those are the really play it safe people. And we've got at least one of those in our house too that was up there um and uh and just side to side and side and it's really nice it's really nice and then and then of course with, with every with every you know thing you've got people um that uh that 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 march to the beat of their own drummer and instead of going downhill they just go straight sideways and you call those first timers right that's what that is you know and uh, you're just hoping they avoid the trees or the poles or something like that but then every once in a while and you can maybe relate to this every once in a while with with everybody heading down the hill you see that there is a handful of people who are going up the hill and that of course that's the ski patrol think about it that's the ski patrol the ski patrol they get on their 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 automated motorized things and and they'll go straight up the hill because because while while all of us are enjoying skiing down the hill for pleasure they go up the hill to help out the people who aren't like having a pleasant moment right which, 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 which relates a lot to a couple of the stories in the midst of Mark's 
gospel. Last week, Ken and Sally preached on the, uh, the story of the disciples being in the boat, caught in a storm, and having to wake Jesus up so that, uh, so, so that he could rescue them. Well, we pick up that very story in Mark chapter 5, where, where now safely onto the shore they land and the disciples encounter something that that maybe is even far scarier than that so turn with me in the gospels as we continue to encounter the stories of jesus this is a mark chapter 5 verse 1 it says jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the lake to the region of the gerasenes as soon as jesus got out of the boat a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs This man lived among the tombs, and no one was ever strong enough to restrain him, even with a chain. He had been secured many times with leg irons and chains, but he broke the chains and smashed the leg irons. No one was tough enough to control him. Night and day, in the tombs and the hills, he would howl and cut himself with stones." This is exactly what the disciples find and encounter when they land on the shore, which, which I, I, and most of us, most of us probably, we hear the stories of Jesus and we put ourselves inside the story as one of the disciples, right? Most people don't hear the stories of Jesus and, and think, oh yeah, I would have been Jesus in that story. And if you are one of those people, then we'll talk afterwards probably in my office and and, and, and maybe redirect you a little bit, but most of us hear the stories of Jesus in the Bible, and we think about ourselves as one of the disciples, so it would have been perfectly appropriate last week, but you know, as Ken and Sally were talking about it, or, or, or any time anybody's ever told a story of Jesus, to, 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 to sort of say, and there we were with Jesus, right, and Jesus changes things, and Jesus, Jesus saves us, and that's all completely true, so, so I totally get it. What Mark's left out of this story is that they would have landed, right, they would have landed on the shore, and those disciples who were just saved, right, from complete disaster and peril, they would have gotten down on the ground. You've done this before. And they would have kissed the ground there, right? And then as they were getting up, as they're getting up, they look off in the distance and there are some tombs, right? Which is a whole thing in itself. There's some tombs and there's a giant, scary person. And Mark's gonna tell us he's coming at us. He's, he, he's possessed by a demon. And he's so strong that Mark tells us two consecutive verses that leg irons do not control him. And no strong person is able to control him. And, and this guy's completely out of control. And those disciples are going, put me back in the boat. <laughs> Send me back to sea. And the only people that haven't yet been named in this story, but they'll they'll appear in a second, uh, the only people that are excited about what's happening, ready, are the people who used to be neighbors with the man back in the village. The village would have been built uh, uh, some distance. In in, In fact, what we know from geography is the village might have been 30 kilometers in, right? This is the region of the Gerasenes, but this is not the town of Gerasenes. That that would have been some distance away. Jesus has encountered a man that everybody else is excited doesn't live on their street anymore, right? You with me? 
I mean, this is, this is, this is the guy, and, I, and I, I'm just going to just say it like, it like it is. This is the guy that, that if he lived in Bonaire, uh, we would have run into him, and we would have all, every one of us would have been like, I am so glad that guy's not around anymore. We see him at the Sunoco. We see him at the Flash Foods. And, I mean, you know, you know we, we, we're, that guy was scary. I mean, even the sheriff's department couldn't, like, you know, chain him down. He was, he was a terror. And, and right off the bat, Jesus goes to the farthest edges of society to find those who everyone else is glad are now gone. That's the only reason we know this story. That's the only reason. This guy's not getting covered in the local paper. The only reason this story is still being told is (laughs) is because Mark... And the disciples, Mark, later on, he wasn't one of them, uh, the 12, but, but later on would be told this story by the disciples who would have said, remember the time that we were just happy to be alive and we get off and there is this man and Jesus and you get the sense something's about to happen. It says in verse 6, when he saw Jesus from far away, he ran and knelt before him, shouting, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. And then Mark sort of goes back on his story to uh, to explain this last sentence. He said said this because Jesus had already commanded him, unclean spirit, come out of the man, which is fascinating. When you hear that at the end, you get the sense, oh, what's happened is that the disciples have gotten off the boat and they're kissing the ground and they're just excited to be alive and Jesus like strides right off the boat and probably pulls out his finger and is like, bam from a distance toward this man right because because the guys already this this the demons are already reacting to jesus's presence jesus asked him verse 9 what is your name and he responded legion is my name because we are many there were uh, the, the the most prominent use for uh for 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 the term legion in the roman army uh would have been uh uh, a, 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 an assembly of soldiers that measured uh, 6,000 and then 120 chariots and then all of the other munitions that would go with them. But there was a secondary use for the, 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 the name Legion and it applied to, to just over 2,000 soldiers. And that was also, that was also a, a, a way that that term was used. And it says, they pleaded with Jesus not to send them out of that region. Now, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. Send us into the pigs, they begged. Let us go into the pigs. Jesus gave them permission. So the unclean spirits left the man and went into the pigs. Then the herd of about 2,000 pigs rushed down the cliff into the lake and drowned. Now, now, in, in case in, in case we're uh, in, in in case we're not clued into all of the ways that Mar- Mark is piling this story on, let's revisit something that we talk about from time to time. And we've talked about reading Mark's gospel in just the last uh, few weeks, and that is that Jesus, a Jew that, that's doing ministry among the Jews, is 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 being confronted frequently by by religious leaders of the Jews who are 
accusing Jesus of being out of bounds. Is that fair? Jesus is being out of bounds when it comes to the ways that he is practicing their laws. And, 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 and the biggest, the biggest uh, category of their laws that they are all the time fussing at each other about and Jesus about and, 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 and the poor just regular folks, the lay folks, is the laws around clean and unclean. In the, world, in the world of Judaism, there is a, a clear line written down the middle of creation. And there's a clean side and there's an unclean side. And when Mark tells this story, which is how it happened, he begins to layer upon layer upon layer the levels that Jesus has crossed the boundaries First of all, it tells us that this man was possessed by an unclean spirit. And it says now Jesus is talking to him. Unclean spirit. But, 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 but second of all, none of us have missed that this, that this whole story is happening where? Inside a cemetery. Which was massively taboo. To encounter a dead body, right, which is cemeteries are filled up to encounter a dead body made you ritually unclean in judaism for a period of seven days and then after the seven days you still had to go through a series of steps to be made clean again so unclean spirit happening in a cemetery and if that's not enough the solution that jesus avails himself to is 2000 what were those pigs everybody say i got it do you actually got you know what you're getting you right yeah these are these are these are jews what were swine considered on the dietary list they were unclean this is this isn't just a case of this is just a case of a couple of slices of bacon right this is two thousand pigs this is 2,000 pigs. If you follow social media, this is about how many Matt and Hannah see out on their property on a weekly basis. Is that about? That's about right, yeah, 2,000. Um, we thank you what you're doing for the rest of us. Uh, <clears throat> this is massively out of bounds. And yet again, we know this story for a purpose. It says in uh, verse 14, those who tended the pigs ran away and told the story in the city and in the countryside. People came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man who used to be demon-possessed. They saw the very man who had been filled with many demons sitting there fully dressed and completely sane. And they were filled with awe. You get the sense that, that these are the very people who had been that man's neighbors. They're filled with awe because they knew what he was and they now see him for who he is now after this encounter with Jesus. Those who had actually seen what had happened to the demon-possessed man told the others about the pigs then they pleaded with Jesus to leave their region. Many, uh, and I've, I've, I've read this before and I've, I've spoken this before in here. Uh, many people believe, many commentators believe that verse 17, uh, go back one, verse 17 um, was actually uh, based on um, economic 
um, uh, uh, principles, um, which is another way of saying self-preservation or selfishness. They, uh, they were much less concerned that this man who was literally not human had been rescued and saved. They were much more concerned with the fact that 2,000 people, uh, excuse me, 2,000 pigs, which would have been a massive uh, e- economic engine for the region um, that, that, that they now um, have been lost. It says in verse 18, while he was climbing into the boat, the one who had been demon-possessed pleaded with Jesus to let him come along as one of his disciples. But Jesus wouldn't allow it. Go home to your own people, Jesus said, and tell them what the Lord has done for you and how he has shown you mercy. The man went away and began to proclaim in the ten cities all that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. This is the word of God for we the people of God and we say together, thanks be to God. Now, I consider this story to be yet another example of how Jesus is for friendship and i'll just let me just talk about it for like one long sentence jesus is for friendship because when the man says hey i've got an amazing story to tell you could take me on your traveling road show right i could be that guy i mean you could bring me out halfway through i could tell my testimony the crowds would come down i mean just think about the offering you could take up afterwards after i told my story preachers think about offerings you guys don't think about offerings um what does jesus say to him jesus says no No, don't travel with me. Go back home. Go back and see your people. Go back and see your friends. Because because your story will have an even greater impact with people that knew you before and now can see you now. Which is another way of saying, Jesus not only wanted this man to be restored, but he was sending this man back home so that his friends could be restored, so that his friends could be healed, so that his friends could be set free. That's just, that's, just the, that's just the little tag onto the end of these 20 verses, but, but if you step back and just, and just ask, what? what are we supposed to do with this story? What, is, what does all this mean? For us today, maybe maybe we need to pause. Maybe we need to pause if we truly are those disciples that have gotten off the boat and see the man coming at us, and he strikes fear in our hearts. Maybe we need to pause and ask the question: What are we afraid of? What, what, are we, what are we afraid of? And, and what does fear make us do? That's different than courage. If you, if you think about if you think about your life, fear sends me backwards. And courage sends me 
forward. Fred Rogers, that we all know as Mr. Rogers, used to say, he, he would quote his mom, he did this frequently, and you've probably all seen it, that when, that when bad things happen, when scary things happen, when, when she wouldn't have used this word, but when tragedies happen, she would tell her son, Fred, look for the helpers. You've seen this before? Look for the helpers. When bad things happen, look for the people who are helping others. And when I do that, when I look for the people who are helping others, what I see are the people who are heading towards the trouble, who are going against the crowd. The, the Marines, we've got a couple of former Marines. I guess you're not a former Marine, you're always a Marine. We've got a couple of Marines in the, um, in the church. The Marines have been, uh, been marketing their branch of the military for about a decade now with, uh, with some really great advertisements. One of them says, uh, Marines move towards the sound of gunfire. Which, by the way, is just true. It's just, it's just true. In fact, it was, it was actually true just over two months ago at that, at that shooting down in the base in Pensacola, you, you remember, cover, remember that being covered? And it was, a, it, was a, it was a foreign service exchange program. And, and we've determined, we, we, the United States has determined it was a terrorist act. But, but, but what's also been determined that it could have been far more fatal. Number of people, casualties, and number of lives lost. Had it not been for, you ready for this? Two Marines and a sailor who were in the building or outside the building when the gunfire first started and everybody else was taking cover, which you're supposed to do, and those three people did what? They got up and went to the sound of the gunfire because they're heroes. And, and literally, the attorney general the other day was, was talking about that incident and, uh, and, 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 he, and he applauded them as he should. We've, um, we've been following along with, um, with the news out of China, in particular, like the, the Wuhan province. Last week, a, uh, a group of 60 doctors and nurses from Hong Kong, not close to there, had, um, had petitioned the Chinese government for a special charter flight from Hong Kong into Wuhan in order to go and assist the care and, and, and medicine that's being offered there at Ground Zero. They were, they were asking to fly towards the trouble. Everyone else is trying to do what? Everyone else is trying to leave. They won't let them, but they're trying to leave. These 60 doctors and nurses. And, and they specifically said they, that we can, bring extra, we can bring extra supplies, we can, bring, we can be self-contained, and we can bring our own stuff, but, but we want to go and help this is in the, in the article. We want to go help the people who have been helping all along without a break. We want to go and offer respite to the teams of people. Because, because forget fear. Courage moves us towards the trouble. I, I, watched, um, I, I actually watched it yesterday afternoon. 
uh, I watched that, that World War I movie, you know, the true story, uh, 1917, the movie that's playing in the theaters. It's really good. Um, it's, it's really good. Here's the thing. I'm not giving anything away. The whole movie is about two British soldiers who go towards the fight to save 1,600 people's lives. That's the whole story. You know that from the, the previews. But they're heroes. And yet, and yet so very often, and yet so very often, Christians struggle with what to do with trouble. Because, because, because we're afraid, and I get that. Or, or maybe, maybe it's not fear for everybody. Maybe it's, um, maybe, it's, maybe it's calculated. I don't mean to be mean. I'm probably actually talking more about myself than anybody in the room, but maybe, maybe it's calculated. I, I'm, I'm worried what other people will think. It's image management. I'm worried what other people will think if they see me associating with those kind of people, right? You know, what if, what if I'm trying to help and the person just, ah, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, we, we don't want to lose control. Like, and what would people think? And maybe, maybe that's not it for everybody. Maybe, maybe, maybe there are people in the room that, that, that so love, want, need things to be at peace that, that we don't want to move towards the trouble because we don't want, we don't want for anything to rock the boat or make waves. I I don't know what it is, but I know that if we are called to be like Jesus, Jesus moves towards the people who are hurting, who are trouble. Jesus moves towards the people that everybody else is delighted have moved away. So this is, this is why we send out saints from this church to heal, free, and restore is because this is the way of Jesus. To get out from here and to go there towards the trouble. And that's what Jesus did. That's what he did for his whole ministry. That's what he's doing still. And that's what he did especially over that weekend that we still lift up as history changing. Let's pray. Gracious God, for the way that you have moved towards us. Lord, let your pattern be our pattern. May we be known as a people, as a church, as a movement that is going against the flow. Your desire is that every person would be healed, every person would be freed, every person would be restored. 
and your plan is for us to participate. Lord, help us. This is our prayer. And we ask it in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen. Hear these words of invitation. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another as we say, merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give our thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread. He gave thanks to you, O God. He gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This represents my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. And he gave thanks to God. And he gave it to his disciples and said, take and drink. All of you, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you. And for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let's pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. May, by your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory. 
and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen and amen.